You're listening to Secrets for Scaling, a Gecko Board podcast that explores the growth of secrets of successful founders and CEOs. Whether you're just launching your business or taking your company to the next level, you'll learn proven strategies and tactics for growing a sustainable business. For this episode, we talked to Drew Bilby, co-founder and CEO of Nexpa, a natural Australian beverage brand making real iced tea and natural cola. Hey Drew, welcome. So to get started, can you tell us a little bit about what Nexpa is for any listeners who might not be familiar? Sure, so I'll just go through a little bit of the Nexpa story. Um, Essentially, I started Nexpa back in 2010. Um, I was fortunate enough back then to do an exchange semester in uh, Mexico. Um, And while I was over there, I spent a lot of time in a a little surf town called Rio Nexpa. that whole sort of like better for you beverage space over there was really matured and um, they seem to have a lot of sort of low sugar, like soft drinks in particular iced tea. Um, And that's represented, I guess, throughout, you know, Central America, North America and Asia and Europe as well. Coming back to Australia, we had, you know, a couple of me too brands um, in the iced tea category. Um, There wasn't a huge amount of better for you beverage um, activity going on. So I, uh, basically tapped my brother-in-law on the shoulder and said, look, I really think this is a, a, a massive opportunity in Australia um, for the iced teas themselves, but also sort of that, um, you know, reduced sugar soft drink area. So we basically spent the next year um, building a factory in Sydney. Uh, it was a little tiny canning factory that did about 2000 cans an hour. We, um, we had family and friends. Um, my grandpa, I think was the best worker working like 18 hours a day just sort of getting it off the ground and, and um, you know, basically creating uh, this a dream product, um, which at the time was a, a low sugar iced tea. Um, we then, I guess, spent the next 12 months after that really knocking on cafe doors and, and um, getting people's response and feedback and finding out that, yes, this is a real opportunity in Australia. Um, people have been looking for this type of, type of drink. Um, and then I guess we started going to the national you know, the really big national accounts like 7-Eleven. Um, some of our supermarkets over here are called Coles and Woolworths um, and really getting into those guys so we can have that, uh, you know, availability on a national level and also that brand awareness piece. Interesting. When you were first knocking on doors to see if there is a market for Nexpa, what type of questions were you asking? It was more sort of, I guess, explaining the product and, and um, what we believed was the opportunity. Um, and then, I, you know, they, they would put it in their fridges and it would sell. And it was clear from that it was kind of like um, a proven case that, yes, this is something that we're looking for. Um, so everyone, I guess, believes in and, and has for a long time really believed in that health sector and the growing health sector. Um, but what's great now is that people are actually opening up their wallets and paying for those healthy products. That's awesome. It sounds like a great scrappy story. You guys just like yeah. in what you're doing and made it happen. Exactly. Yeah. So is Nexpa your first business? Um, so I, as I, said, I, I sort of studied in Mexico and I was actually studying, um, I did one semester over there um, and finished off my civil engineering degree in Australia. Um, so I was working as a civil engineer at the time of, of starting Nexpa and Troy was actually working as a law and communications um, intern as well. Um, so this is our first business that we started, but we were sort of doing, um, you know, two jobs at once, kind of trying to make it work when we started Nexpa. What was that experience like the doing Um, the two jobs at once? 
Yeah, obviously time management. I was I was fortunate at that stage to not have kids yet, <laughs> so um, could manage my time a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're working, you're burning the candle at both ends, and you're working sort of twenty hours a day. Um, but I guess the passion and motivation of what you believe in is really what gets you, um, you know, keep, keep going every day. Did you find that there's a time frame that that was sustainable for? Like, did you kind of like hit your limit, or were you lucky enough to? reach that breaking point before hitting that limit? Um, I, was, I was lucky in that Troy and I had the same level of motivation and passion. Um, so there's always going to be times when you're working um, ridiculously hard for long periods of time and trying to get something off the ground. It isn't necessarily going exactly how you want it to. But I guess if you've got a really good business partner or, or people, a team in your business um, that can, you know, I guess sometimes take the load or, or use them to bounce off and get motivation, it really helps. Yeah, I feel like people don't really, people used to talk about that motivation a little bit more or that struggle and how you have to work 20 hour days. But yeah. I feel like now everyone's just like, it's about work-life balance. But in the reality yeah. of things, in the early days, you really, you just have to hustle. Oh, no doubt. You've got to, yeah, you just got to put in the hard yards. So would you say that that support network's what motivated you to start a business? Definitely, if I didn't have the support from, family, friends, and obviously within the business, um, the business wouldn't be here today. So, I mean, it's the, the, that support network is crucial in terms of those really tough early stages. Um, and to an extent, you're being selfish because, you know, your loved ones kind of have to put up with you working 20 hours a day and all that kind of stuff. So it is something where people, um, you know, the people doing the work has to really work hard and the people that are sort of supporting have to be pretty understanding of, of what you're doing. For sure. So what were some of the first roadblocks you hit at that point when still, you know, working on it for so long? Well, Troy, neither Troy and I had any experience in the beverage industry. Um, so everything for us was a learning curve from the start. Um, you know, just, just going and finding out the right contacts to chat to, for example, from 7-Eleven. Um, you know, that took us like 12 months. Um, you know, learning um, how to run a business from a budgeting point of view and all that kind of stuff is something that we hadn't done in our other jobs. So every little aspect of Nexpo was a learning curve for us. And, it, and um, it's, you know, it's, it's certainly been a really great journey, um, but a really good learning curve. Do you remember any of the resources you turned to for the running the business part? We definitely, um, so in that, in that time when we were going out to cafes, uh, we spent a large portion of that time, I guess, meeting um, either sort of, you know, people really high up in the, in the FMCG category. So um, we knocked on a couple of high execs from um, Coca-Cola's door and asked if they wanted a coffee and, and a few different things to really pick their brains and get an understanding. Um, and we actually, pretty early on, we got um, a minor shareholder into the business who essentially started a, a pretty big FMCG company. Um, he started flavored straws. You may not have them in the US, but they're called sipper straws. And they basically have beads of chocolate and strawberry in them. You put them in milk and it's like a milkshake. Um, but he founded that. Um, and so he was a great mentor from us from basically day dot. Really sort of, um, you know, letting us kind of see the pitfalls ahead of time. That's awesome. So it sounds like he really played a big role in helping overcome those roadblocks you first hit. Definitely. Cool. Um, so how big is Nexpa now in terms of both market size and team size? Yeah, so Nexpa um, in the ICT category is about 5% of the total Australian market. 
Um, we recently launched uh, into our, I guess, naturally sugar-free soft drink range, which is really, I guess, where the, the mass market is still in that soft drink area. Um, and, when, and this year we're sort of on track for about a, just over a 300% growth um, from last financial year. Um, so we've seen a massive inroads, um, I guess, once moving from ICT is still, is still a small industry in Australia, um, but obviously that soft drink is, is huge. From a team perspective, we um, have just gone through a really big growth phase internally. Um, and I think we'll have about 12 people by January, um, but we outsource the majority of all of our manufacturing is now outsourced um, to a company in Sydney. And then we also do all our 3PL stuff as well. So we, we really focus on, I guess, the stuff we're good at. And that's the innovation piece um, and the marketing piece of the brands. Um, and really have, have found the best partners to partner with the stuff that they're best at, which is the manufacturing piece. That's great. It seems that partnerships are really crucial when it comes to any industry that involves, you know, retail and manufacturing. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you need the, the partner we've got is, is best in class. They're a global manufacturer. Um, so they have all the, the best standards. Um, and Australia's got a really good um, reputation in manufacturing. And, and there's, a, there's a reason for that. And it's because manufacturers like this exist and we've got such stringent um, regulations in, in, for food regulations. Right. Makes sense. Um, so you said that you are set to grow 300% this year, which is awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. What's attributed to that growth? Um, I guess primarily the, the innovation piece. So all the MPD we're bringing out, um, we're focusing, we, you know, we launched in ISD because we knew we could kind of get a foothold in the market. Um, it was always the dream of ours to be, um, I guess, providing healthy beverages en masse. And given that soft drinks is such a big consumer category, being able to do that um, and offer a naturally sugar-free soft drink, which hasn't been done. We're first to market in that in Australia. Um, has really sort of seen everyone jumping on board and going, wow, this is amazing. And, and um, it's provided you know, the majority of our growth this year. Yeah, it seems like you've really managed to combine that first to market, the speed part, as well as the branding part. Extra seems to have like a fun brand that people like as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's been a focus for us to try and maintain that sort of challenger brand vibe um, and really, yeah, just really be as fun as we can and, and staying true to our vision. Yeah. So now that you've hit that, you're hitting that 300% growth, what are your, what's your next growth goals? What's the next step? I guess from, from a long-term perspective, we've got a really clear um, three areas that we want to we wanna grow. Um, accelerating the domestic growth in Australia and really owning the soft drink category here is, is number one. Um, and as, as you guys can imagine, um, Australia's got all the same big companies that you do in the US. You know, we've got Coke, we've got Pepsi. Um, all of these really big Goliath companies um, and we're starting to, to really get traction on there. So we want to really expand that and do it in the way that is um, continued to be first to market with the naturally sugar-free stuff. Um, so that's, I guess, number one for us. Number two is really start the global expansion piece as well. So we, we're known, we're confident, um, you know, countries like the US and the UK um, are on the same sort of trend as Australia with the anti-sugar sentiment. Um, and we know that's really the opportunity there. Um, so we want to get, I guess, the next brand and that Australian story out to the um, UK and the US in 2017. Um, and then thirdly, we really want to focus 
more heavily on the R&D and really continue that innovation pipeline, uh, which can extend probably outside of beverages as well um, into, into all products that have sugar. We can really um, translate that naturally sugar-free formulation into other products. Right. So do you have any specific metrics behind those goals that you've identified? We do. So, um, I mean, we, we really try to track our metrics pretty carefully. Um, you know, we have our sort of sales indicators, which, which um, track our revenue, GP, trade spend against customers, et cetera. Um, and we, re- we know when it, we need to be, obviously, and, and the targets that we have. Um, and then we've also got our operational indicators, which kind of um, show us appropriate stock levels, um, service levels into customers, um, and that from a manufacturing point of view, we need you know, the, the correct yield and all that kind of stuff. So um, we need to be hitting, I guess, those KPI slash metrics to make sure we're on track to um, achieve the goals that we want to achieve financially and um, from a vision point of view as well. Got you. How would the process look like of identifying those as meaningful goals? Yeah, so it's always a fun process. We, um, we basically have a, a quarterly executive strategy session um, and that we spend a lot of time I guess looking at the future and setting those targets that are going to help us reach those goals um, you know we've done that I guess pretty much since day dot since we started um, and it's and so now it's more about making sure we're on track and, and really uh, checking the progress against those goals every time we meet um, to ensure that you know we're, we're on track to reach the, um, the, the goals and how are you tracking that progress? So those metrics that I mentioned before, um, we have them up in, I guess, gecko boards up in the office around a couple of different screens. Um, and it's, you know, so real time, all of our staff can see everything that's going on. We can ensure that, um, you know, everyone is, is aware, all of our sales team, they're focused on what they want to achieve and what they have to achieve and, and our operations team likewise and, and marketing team. Um, so everyone can see that real time. And then obviously from an um, executive point of view as well, we can take a snapshot of all those metrics from Gecko board and present them in our, in our executive meeting um, to make sure that we are on track. Have you found that that transparency has played a role in motivating employees or is it other things that you think motivates them more so? There's no doubt. And I'll give you an example. Um, we had a bit of a, an issue with one of our screens, um, Gecko board screens, and it was actually our sales screen. For a couple of weeks um, and noticeably our sales team um, didn't have the same kind of drive and motivation to hit that because they didn't know what the number was right they didn't have that they didn't have that visibility um, so having that visibility absolutely motivates them to, to hit their targets um, you know we, we obviously use other things incentives and whatnot to, to uh, motivate people as well but I think the visibility piece and um, for lack of a better word the, the ability to to gamify, I guess, the workplace as well. Um, people really want to feel like they're hitting their targets um, and doing it in a way which is fun is the key to, to what we find motivating our staff. Awesome. Interesting. So are there any other approaches to, to communicating like bigger, loftier, loftier goals outside of the metrics themselves, like the vision for the company? Yeah, definitely. So we have, um, every Monday we have our, team huddle um it basically involves everyone getting together 8 30 on a monday morning with a coffee um and going through i guess the big things that we're doing you know this month or this year 
um, and really making sure that if that changes, you know, and if there's been some changes in the executive meeting, um, that everyone's brought up to speed um, and make sure, I guess, we're on track. The whole team is on track to achieve everything we're trying to do. Awesome. So that's kind of, that's your approach to staying focused? Yeah, yeah, which is incredibly difficult as a, um, a startup challenger brand. Um, you know, we really want to encourage, I guess, that creativity piece. So um, it is always difficult to stay focused, and that's why we need, I guess, these things implemented to make sure that we do stay focused. That's a good point. How, how have you been able to balance that creativity piece and wanting to encourage people to bring their ideas to the table and the focus on those numbers? It's really difficult, um, and it's not always as simple as saying stay focused. Um, it does take a lot of self-control. Everyone that works, you know, right from um, myself and Troy um, and, and the whole team, everyone that comes into this business has an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset, um, and inherently that they're going to be a creative person and wants to sort of challenge the status quo. So it's always a challenge to make sure that we can really stay focused on our targets um, and that's why it helps having, I guess, all the, these metrics around us on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, if we're getting, if we're going off on a tangent too much, we can always kind of pull it back and say, look, you know, this is awesome. We love this creativity and, and let's find a time and place to talk about that. Um, but right now we need to stay focused on what we're doing. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you, has there been any specific recruitment strategies for, for finding these entrepreneurial people that are a good fit? It's, we've used heaps of different types of ways to do that. Um, I think we've had varying success in, in different areas. One of the best ways that we've found to recruit people into the company has been through our existing networks. Um, you know, I think we have also used recruitment companies um, to, to varying success as well. We've, we've got some really good people out of that. Um, but I think if you... Um, when you use your own network, you've got the challenge of um, you want to make sure that you have diversity in the business. So you don't necessarily want like-minded people, um, you know, two like-minded people. Um, so it's a little bit sort of like there's no guaranteed way to get the best people. But I think um, within your network, you're always going to have a really good pool of, of people that um, are going to be similar to you, but diversified enough to, to really challenge. Yeah. So, are most of your people HQ people in Sydney? Are they all in Sydney? So everyone's in Sydney, apart from we've got a few, um, I guess, sales and merchandising people across the country. Yeah. What's the startup environment like there? Sydney's got a pretty good, um, pretty, I guess, intense startup, which is good. Um, most of that is around the tech and digital space. Um, there's a lot of sort of young companies coming up in, in that area particularly. Um, from a manufacturing point of view, you know, it's not, it's, it's not really suited towards young brands. And that's, I guess, why we're getting a lot of traction with our, um, key accounts that we deal with is that people want to see, um, more manufacturing business in Australia. Um, but certainly for startups in the tech and digital space, Sydney's a great place to be. Yeah. Why, why is it that they want to see more manufacturing just for jobs and things like that? Um, I think, you know, Sydney's, um, Sydney's a, well, Australia's a great place to live and, and as such we do, you know, labour costs and all that kind of stuff are a bit higher. So it's, it is a bit of a challenge for um, Australian companies to compete from a cost level with global companies as well. Um, and so it's, it's unusual, I guess, to see manufacturing companies 
particularly in the beverage space in Australia. Um, so, and, and that's, I guess that's why this kind of resonated with so many people, the next story, and that's why it's um, getting so much traction. Gotcha. Awesome. So you're 12 people in house now and are seeing like great growth. What are your current challenges? Current challenges is, um, I guess, you know, we don't have, Nexper has a phenomenal product, um, but we certainly don't have the, um, I guess, above the line budgets that a lot of these multinational beverage companies would have. Um, so one of the biggest challenges is how do we get the, you know, if, if we can have a conversation with every single Australian and explain to them what Nexper is um, and why it's better for you and that it, you know, it tastes phenomenal, um, all these different things. I think we would win over every single, every single Australian. Um, so it's about that brand awareness piece and um, getting the message out there that, that there is an alternative to these high sugar drinks um, and that they do taste as good or better. And next was that brand. Cool. So what have been your most successful channels for getting the word out so far? So to date, we've basically grown completely organically. Um, we've spent such a, such a small amount on any kind of um, marketing above the line strategy. There's been, I guess, some small digital type stuff. Um, we really early on, we created the next story video uh, and a few sort of little adverts as well. Um, and that, that was really important for us because it allowed us to, to really go out and tell the next story and engage and have fun with consumers on what the next, on what the next brands are all about. Um, and obviously there was a little bit of spend put behind that. But I think over the next, we're excited because um, with the growth that we're seeing over the next 12 months, we can start implementing, um, whether it's digital strategies, strategies, um, outdoor media strategies, radio strategies. Uh, we, we sort of now have that budget to have those conversations with the Australian public. So it's, um, it's an exciting place to be. Yeah, for sure. That video that you mentioned, which we'll link to in the post to accompany the episode, was a ton yeah. of fun. Um, yeah. We re really, really liked it and like used that as inspiration of like our own future marketing. Yeah, uh, cool. What inspired you guys to make that video specifically? I guess just knowing that um, we wanted to, you know, sitting down and telling the story to someone um, is, is, is awesome. We love doing that and um, really going through how next was started and, and that whole piece. Um, but I guess we wanted to do that in a, you know, I guess a minute 30 clip to show people what the next story is in a really fun way um, and give them a, you know, really engage them and, and want them to, to um, relate to the brand because it's really relatable. Um, at the end of the day, Troy and I are just two Aussie guys. Um, you know, we're sort of, you know, kind of a really relatable um, pair of blokes. So it's, it's easy for people to want to just get involved in the next story when they see a fun video like that. Definitely. So you touched on it a little bit, but how specifically would you define Nexpa's brand and voice? So we, if for us, it's always been, I guess, a real evolutionary thing, the brand and voice of Nexpa. Um, we, you know, we do have, and from time to time, we've had our different marketing strategies, which really tidies that up. Um, but it's, it's about making sure that we're on track to achieve our vision of what we wanted to do. Um, so every, in terms of what the discussions we have around what should next will look like and how should it talk, um, it's really got to stay aligned with getting, you know, those healthy beverages out to the Australian public and, and doing it in a way which is engaging and fun. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, any other words of advice to new and young founders who are just getting started or who are at the same level as you? Yeah, I guess the biggest thing is, um, is you, you got to stick it out, right? And you got to really believe in your idea. Um, a startup business is such a roller coaster. So you've got to be prepared to go through the highs and lows and come out the other side as a success. Um, and, you know, having that um, support network behind you is, is key to, to being able to, you know, ride those highs and lows. So it's going to be tough, but um, if you believe in your idea, I think yeah, anyone can do it. One other question. If someone, let's say, if someone doesn't really have friends and family who like get the idea, you know, who are supportive, but might not be able to really be a sounding board for them. Are there yeah. any other places like mentors think, or someone else who you'd suggest? Yeah, I think there's, there's a whole bunch. Um, and I can only speak about Sydney, but there's a whole bunch of kind of startup groups, um, which offer support and different things. And, um, you know, I think getting a mentor early on, it doesn't have to be family. And we had a mentor that we've had several mentors that, that are outside of family. And I would actually suggest that you look outside of family for mentor. Um, but it's, you know, it really helps you kind of um, just get through everything. So there's, there's lots of different mechanisms outside close family and friends that you can use for support. Yeah, totally. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. No worries. Well, thanks for having us, Michelle. Yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you for listening to Gecko Board's Secrets for Scaling podcast. Hope to catch you next time.